Well, good morning, folks, and uh, welcome to Lavington Baptist Church. And what a blessing to see you all out this morning, and we do welcome those that are visiting uh, with us. And uh, please do remember those in prayer who are sick, and there are quite a few uh, who are away sick this morning. Okay, before we look at God's Word, let's uh, come before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again, we give thee thanks for the Lord's Day. Uh, Surely we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I do pray for this time that we'll spend together around your word. I do pray, Lord, that you would, as it were, make bare your arm and pour out your blessing upon us. And Father, as we look at this portion of Scripture today, may it be that as we would leave this place, we might be able to say it was good for us to be here, for here we met the Lord and was blessed. Father, we do pray for those that are sick. We think of Graham. We ask the Lord to give traveling mercies on his way back here. Uh, we pray for others, too many to mention, that are down with COVID, and we commit them to thee, and we ask the Lord you would build them up in their most holy faith, perhaps as they would listen in even this day. So our Father, be with us, and may it be that you, each and every one of us would be able to say it was good to be here, for here we met with the Lord. We ask it all in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. The portion of scripture we have just had read to us from John 17 is the actual Lord's Prayer. The prayer that is commonly called the Lord's Prayer, which is recorded in Matthew chapter 6, is really the disciples' prayer. Our Lord said in Matthew 6 and verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. But in John 17 and verse 1 it says, These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father. So I want us to look at this wonderful prayer, which we reverently call the high priestly prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. But before we look at this prayer, I would like to highlight a few things. And we will only, as it were, scratch the surface of the Lord's Prayer. Because time would not permit, would not permit us to go into any depths. Please remember, this is sacred territory. This is one of the most sacred passages in the whole of God's Word. Now, throughout the chapter 17 of John, evidence of the number 7 is seen at least three times. Now, I've spent quite a bit of time in it studying this week, and I see the evidence of the number 7 at least three times. There are seven gifts given by the Father to the Son. We will look at those in just a few moments that will take up the main part of the message. Secondly, there are seven references to believers as the Father's gift to the Son. And thirdly, there are seven activities which was undertaken by the Son 
and brought to completion. So very briefly, we will look at the seven references to believers as the Father's gift to the Son. Now in verse 2, verse 2 says this, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. As many as thou hast given him. Folks, you and I who believe, you and I who are saved, you and I who are believers, are part of that wonderful gift from the Father to the Son. Look at the two words. Thou and me. Thou, the Father. Me, the Son. As thou, the Father, hast given him power over all flesh, that we should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And so, the Lord receives us as a gift, as many as thou hast given him. You and I, folks, have been given to the Son by the Father. And all this happens instantaneously at our conversion. Dead to sin, dead in sin, and alive to Christ, the Father's gift. Now look at verse 6. We'll not spend much time in these ones. Verse 6 says, I have manifested thy name unto the man which thy gives me. The man which thy givest me. We're looking at seven references of uh, believers that the Father gave to the Son. Which thy givest me out of the world. Of course the primary meaning here is the disciples. And we'll be looking at it in just a few moments. But by application it is us also as we will see later, uh, we come out of the world and we are given to the Father, which thou gavest me out of the world. And then again in verse 6 it says, And thou givest them me. Again another reference to the believers, those who believed, a reference God gave to the Son. And thou givest them me. Folks, what a privilege it is to be part of a gift given to our Lord. Verse 9 says, I pray for them which thou hast given me. Again, folks, there is no greater person that can pray for us. Our Lord, our great high priest, prays for us because we are a gift that's been given to him. Then in verse 11 it says, Keep those whom Thou hast given me. Can you see what's happening here? Seven times uh, God mentions the gift given to his son. Verse 11, keep those whom thou hast given me. The word keep has the idea of preserve and protect from outside interference. Keep those whom thou hast given me. Then in verse 12, those that thou givest me, I have kept. Folks, we are in his hand, and no man is able to pluck us out of his hand. Uh, I sometimes, I'm not a singer, but sometimes I sing a little hymn called 
harbored in Jesus, harbored in Jesus, safe and secure. And that's where we are. We are harbored in Jesus. We're in his hand and no man can pluck us out of his hand. Seven references to believers as the Father's gift to the Son. The last one, whom thou hast given me, verse 24, whom thou hast given me, be with me. I'll read the whole of verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me will uh, be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou hast loved me before the foundation of the world. Whom thou hast given me, be with me. There is never, never a prayer, never a request that our Lord makes from God that is not answered. He Praise in God's will. It is always answered in the affirmative because he always asks according to the Father's will. The request, be with me where I am. Now John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also, and, uh, and I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Notice the word mansions. This is just a bunny tale. It says, are many mansions. Our Lord, and some people would say this, our Lord is not building buildings for us. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I must, I must repeat what Willie Mullen said. Willie Mullen was a great Irish evangelist, preacher and pastor. And he said, the Lord is referring to what he was going to do. He was going to the cross to prepare the way for us. I am the way, he says, the truth and the life. Yes, he was a builder. Yes, he was a carpenter. But he wasn't going to heaven to build houses and mansions for us. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare the way for you. I go to prepare a place for you. So seven references about the believers as the father's gift to the son. Next, there are seven activities which have been undertaken by our Lord. Seven activities which has been undertaken by our Lord. Not only undertaken by our Lord, but brought to fruition or completion. Now I have called these the I haves. H-A-V-E-S. The I haves of Christ. In verse 4 it says, verse 4 it says, I have glorified thee. And everything our Lord did... And everything our Lord said, he glorified God the Father. This is why the Father was able to say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Seven different times was undertaken by our Lord and brought to fruition different activities. I have glorified thee. Verse 6, I have manifested 
thy name. Everywhere he went, he spoke of the Father. This word manifest means to make known or to reveal. Now, if you want at some time, go home and read John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14 alone, 22 times the Father is mentioned. 22 times. I have manifested thy name, made known, revealed thy name. I have glorified thee, I have manifested thy name, I have given unto them the words which thou givest me. Verse 8, verse 8. For I have given unto them the words which thou givest me. Words. That is why we call the Bible, this one, this Bible that we have, the Word of God. Because it came from God. I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. It came from God because it came from God through the Lord. It came from God through the prophets. It came from God through the disciples and so forth and the apostles. What a blessing, folks, to have the word of God. Sometimes I think we take it very uh, glibly, as it were. And we don't really understand that this is God's word. This is the word of the God of eternity. This is the one who called everything into being by the word of his mouth. And we have his word. This is how he speaks to us through his word. I have given unto them the words which thou givest me. Then in verse 12 it says, Those that thou givest me I have kept. He has the power to keep all. Jude, verse 24 says, Now ought to him that is able to keep you from falling. But you know, men will make their own decisions as it were. Men will decide their own fate. Just like Judas, the son of perdition. He was with the Lord for three years. He heard the words of God. He saw the miracles that was conducted he followed. He was a thief from the beginning. He robbed the disciples of money. And he rejected the Lord Jesus Christ after everything he had seen. After everything that he had heard, he rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Now down to verse 14. I have given them thy word. Very similar to verse 8, which says thy words. But here it is thy word the complete word of God and again we are very privileged to have a copy of the complete canon of scripture in these days but where much is given then much is expected and God holds this book very dearly to his heart Whenever we turn to, and it has been mentioned recently by Pastor Jagel, whenever we turn to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 19, it says, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So God holds it very precious, this particular book. Number six, the glory which thou gavest me, I have, another I have, I have given them. And folks, 
Uh, this is a wonderful thing, that we should be endowed, as it were, with the glory of Christ. And it goes on to say that they may be one. And in Revelation, there is a clear teaching that the Lord is in the midst of the churches. Local in nature, yes, but dispensational truths are taught as well. And yes, it is very important also to have unity with churches. But a unity without union, an association without amalgamation, a fellowship without federation, and a dependence without interference. And I'm talking fundamental churches that believe, accept, and preach the whole counsel of God. Number seven, verse 26. And I have, there's the other I have, I have declared unto them thy name. And recently we have been looking at the names of God. He declared his name. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah said, can you? Jehovah Nissai, El Shaddai, Elohim, Yahweh, and all the other names of God our Lord declared unto them. The great and awesome God of eternity. He declared God and gave him the glory. And so we have the seven references to believers as the Father's gift to the Son. We have the seven activities undertaken by the Son and brought to completion, the I haves, if you like. Now we look at the last set of seven things, which are the seven gifts given by the Father to the Son. Seven gifts given by the Father to the Son. We spend just a little bit more time in this particular set of seven gifts. The first gift is found in verse number 2. And it's the gift of power. Look at verse 2. <clears throat> As thou hast given him power over all flesh. The gift of power. Now, normally, folks, when something is given, it's a gift. It is yours to keep. It is yours to do what you like with. Uh, Barbara and Brown's not here, so I can mention this. Uh, Barbara and Brown gave me a colored $2 coin just a couple of weeks ago. I said, okay, here's the $2 back. She said, no, 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 it's a gift. It's yours. I said, thank you very much. <laughs> that was very good. And so they gave me a $2 coin, and it was a gift. But of course, the greatest gift ever given is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave the greatest gift to humanity. His only begotten son. And God gave his only begotten son the gift of power. Power over all flesh. And folks, this word power is translated from the Greek word exousia. Exousia. Which means absolute unrestricted right to act it means absolute authority it means absolute power there are other Greek words translated into similar meanings dunamis 
we get this word dynamite from dunamis. It means explosive power. We have energia, where we get energy from, strength to work and so forth. We have escuo, which means to exercise or to have force or to have might. We have kratos, which means being vigorous. And you know, if you read Ephesians chapter 1, 19 to 21, it includes all those different Greek words in different English words. Power, working, might, wrought, and so on. Read it for yourself. Ephesians chapter 1, 19 to 21. Folks, our Lord was given all absolute power. He reigns supreme in sovereignty. He reigns supreme in administration. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, All power is given unto me. Given unto me to save, to heal, to raise the dead, and to rise from the dead. And folks, this power gives him full authority to give eternal life. And we ought to be very thankful for that on a daily basis. Gives eternal life to as many as believe on his name. Let me just say this. There's no such a thing, no such a thing as universal salvation. Yes, he died for the whole world, but only those who believe on him shall be saved. Remember the Philippine jailer, he cried out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer came back, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Romans 10 and 9 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's believing and receiving that saves us, folks. It's interesting to note the details. I, I like to search for the details. And in verse 2, there is an interesting contrast. Firstly, two words, all flesh. Look at verse 2. As thou hast given on, uh, unto him power over all flesh. So he was given power over all flesh. And then it goes on down to say that he should give eternal life to as many. Now, It'd be interesting if that read, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, all flesh will be saved. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say that. It says, All flesh, as many. In the one, it is unrestricted. All flesh, Christ died for the world. In the other, it is restricted to as many as believe. Folks, what a blessing to be numbered with the as many. The as many. John 1 verse 12 says, But as many as are saved in, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So, the first gift given to the Son by the Father, as recorded in John chapter 17 verse 2, is the gift of power. The second gift given by the Father to the Son is that of the believer. As many as thou hast given him. Now to a point we have covered this a little in point one. And uh, under uh, power and even under the other activities. But it says here, hath given him, not will give him. See, this is referring to the disciples. But in a sense, 
It has a dual application. Look down to verse 20. It has a dual application. She says, neither pray I for these alone. See, the first part is to do with the disciples. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them. That's us. But for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. You see, the disciples would start spreading the word of God. And people would get saved. And down through the years, hundreds and thousands and millions perhaps would be saved. And you or I are recipients of the word of God that has been handed down. As many as thou hast given him. Now to a point, uh, as I said, we covered that earlier. One is to do with the disciple. The other one is to do with us. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's us, folks. That's us. And these believers are mentioned in the verses we read earlier. So no need for me to double up at any length. But just listen. Verse 2, as thou hast given him. Verse 6, which thou givest me. Verse 6, thou givest them me. Verse 9, but for them which thou givest me. Verse 11, those whom thou hast given me. Verse 12, those that thou givest me. Verse 24, whom thou hast given me. And so we are a wonderful gift to the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, verse 20 brings us into the equation. So I see that from verse 20 to verse 26 is for all believers, not just for the disciples. The third gift given to the Father, or by the Father to the Son, is the work. Look at verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. This was a gift. God gave him a gift. It was a gift of the work. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. The Lord was given a great work, folks, wasn't he? The Lord was given a great work to do. It was the work of salvation which necessitated him going to the cross suffering at the hands of men, bearing our sin in his own body on the tree, that pure, sinless Son of God, that we might be saved. Enough to say that our Lord was able to say the greatest three words ever spoken by man. And I stand here and I would argue with you till the Lord comes that these are the greatest three words ever spoken by man. It is finished. It is finished. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work. And then when he's on the cross, he said, it is finished. Oh, he became a man. He became a servant. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He finished all the work. He fulfilled all the types of the Old Testament. He paid the penalty of our sin. He defeated the devil. That is why John records in his epistle, he was manifested or made known to take away our sins. He was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He was manifested. He was made known to destroy the works of the devil. The Old Testament records this in Isaiah chapter 15, verse 7. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, 
And I know that I shall not be ashamed. He never deviated. He never turned away from the work that he was sent to do. The work that thou hast given me to do. The fourth gift given by the Father to the Son is found in verse 7. Verse 7. All things whatsoever thou hast given me. Now John 3 and 35 it says, The Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hand. Now please, if you would, turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, I can just read it to you, but verse 3 says, Jesus knowing that the Father has given all things into his hand. And we can read the rest of it. We know what it was all about. And here uh, in chapter 13 of John's Gospel, we have the seven-fold movements or actions of our Lord Jesus Christ. He rises. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel. He girded himself. He poureth the water. He began, began to wash the disciples' feet. He began to wipe them with the towel, teaching us the great lesson of humility. And he finishes off by saying, Go and do ye likewise. All things are given into his hands. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omniscient, all-knowing. He is the embodiment of all truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All things whatsoever thou hast given me. The fifth gift the Father gave to the Son is found in verse 8. For I have given unto them the words which thou givest me. The words which thou givest me. Now in verse 8, the Lord goes on to explain what is meant by the words. And it's this. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou hast sent me. And so he's referring to the teaching that I give to the believers. They have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. So he taught them that he was from heaven, that he came from God. And they believed that thou hast sent me. They believed that God the Father sent him. The first thing which is explained is that the Lord came from God. And then the disciples believed. And that God sent his Son into the world to save the unsaved. God sent his only begotten Son. In this passage, we see the good news explained. The good news of the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If there's anyone here or anyone listening in and you've never accepted Christ, believe. This is what... The Lord taught his disciples. I, I, I taught them thy word. The words that, that you gave me, I've given to them. If you've been coming to this church year after year after year, you've heard the word of God. You've heard the word of God explained here. And it would be a shame if you were to walk out through these doors and still have not accepted Christ.
a Savior. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved. Folks, every word of God is true. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And in John 14 and verse 6, I've mentioned it before, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse 8, the words which thou gavest me. The sixth gift the Father gave to the Son is found in verse 22. And it says in verse 22, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So the sixth gift the Father gave to the Son is the glory which thou givest me. And this glory is a shared glory, as it were, with the believers. And because of that, it causes a oneness, causes a unity of believers. And I don't know about you, but uh, I've been to a few countries, and when we go to different countries, we go to church in that country, and there's a oneness. There's a oneness with the believers, a unity of the believers. And this only exists between true born-again believers all over the world. We are one in Christ. I came from Ireland. We are at one with the believers in Ireland. Adolf Kemper came from Germany. We're at one with the believers in Germany, and so forth and so on. We're at one with those that know Christ. Now, I'm not talking about different denominations getting together. I'm not talking about forming a unity. To form a unity, that's uniformity. And in many cases, it necessitates compromise. True unity is only found in Christ. We mentioned that earlier. But 22, verse 22 again says, that they may be one. So what is glory? Well, he has shared his glory with us. What is glory? Well, it's manifested excellencies of our Lord. A friend of mine who's passed away now, he was a, a brethren evangelist from Ireland, Jim Flanagan, put it this way. It's the outshining of an inner excellence. The outshining of an inner excellence. John 1 verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Then you'll see in brackets, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten, of the Father. It's in brackets because it hadn't happened at the very beginning of John. He's referring to something that he was involved in sometime later. Full of grace and truth. And John was referring to the transfiguration which he would be at sometime later. Now surprising it surprised me even uh, it's not recorded in John the Transfiguration. It's in Mark chapter 9, 2 to 13, Luke chapter 9, 28 to 36, Matthew chapter 17, 1 to 13. But the transfiguration is not mentioned as such in the Gospel of John. And it's Luke that records these words in Luke chapter 9. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw 
his glory. And the two men that stood with him. I don't know about you folks, but sometimes I think about where I would like to be in the scriptures if I was given the choice. Have you ever thought that way? Well, my number one <laughs> would be to be on the road to a mess. Whenever the Lord spoke to the disciples. And it says, I'm beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so he would have gone back to the book of Moses, the Pentateuch. He would have given lessons on the types in the tabernacle. He would have spoken about the scapegoat, the red heifer. He would have mentioned Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac's question, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham's answer, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. I believe he would have spoken of the ram caught in a thicket, which was a picture of himself with the crown of thorns. And of course, many other scriptures. Would have been a wonderful time on the road to a mess. What a sermon, what a message that would have been. But then I was given, if I was given another choice, I, I, I think I would choose the Mount of Transfiguration. What an absolute privilege these disciples had to see the glory of the Lord. The outshining of the inner excellence, the glory which thy gavest me, I've given them. Seven. The seventh gift given by the Father to the Son is my glory. Verse 24. Verse 24 says, I will that thy also, that they also whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Folks, just very briefly, this glory is somewhat different from the glory which was imparted onto the child of God, as we have just read. This glory in verse 24 is altogether unique. It is called my glory by our Lord and his own personal glory. Unique to the Son of God. One has said, and I just read this recently, one has said there's a man in heaven who is full of glory, sharing equally with the Father all the glory and deity and occupying a position that belongs exclusively to deity, yet still bearing in his body the marks of Calvary that will declare through all eternity that I am his and he is mine. The psalmist David was given this, the sacred honor of scriptural insight when he recorded Psalm 110 verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord. And of course, this particular scripture is explained in Matthew 22. See, this is God speaking to the Son. Uh, the Lord said unto my Lord. And in Matthew 22, 20, 42 to 44, it is quoted again. Uh, this is explained what King David is referring to. 
What a privilege David had when given this insight to see God the Father speaking to the Son. And folks, in a measure, we have that incredible privilege, that incredible insight, because we have the full canon of Scripture and we can read this very intimate prayer of our Lord. This prayer which I could never do justice to. We can only scratch the surface, folks. This, I believe, John 17, this, I believe, is one of the most sacred passages in all the Scripture. The Son of God, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking in prayer with His Father, and our God. And we are permitted to listen in. What a privilege. Folks, when we think about it, there are very few occasions that we actually hear Christ praying. So it's, it's, a, it's a double privilege almost to read and hear him in prayer. The seven gifts God the Father gave to his Son. The gift of power the gift of the believer, the gift of the work, the gift of all things, the gift of the words, the gift of the glory, the gift of my glory. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, what, what a privilege it is to not just have a copy of the Word of God, but to actually hear what our Lord Jesus Christ was able to say to thee in prayer. And Father, even though we've just scratched the surface of that prayer this day, I do pray that it might enthuse us to look deeper into the Scriptures to see what you would have to say to us. Father, I do give thee thanks for each and every person that's here. And should there be one that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, they do not know that he went to the cross to pay the debt of their sin, I do pray, Lord, that even today they repent of their sin and acknowledge Christ. Father, bless us as we close, because we ask it in our Savior's precious and worthy name.